The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus addressed this parable to those who were convinced of their own righteousness and despised everyone else. Two people went up to the temple area to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee took up his position and spoke this prayer to himself. O God, I thank you that I am not like the rest of humanity, greedy, dishonest, adulterous, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I pay tithes on my whole income. But the tax collector stood off at a distance and would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast and prayed, O God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, the latter went home justified, not the former. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. The Pharisee took up his position and spoke this prayer to himself. The Lord has been teaching me one lesson over and over again, especially in the last few years. Maybe by the time I die, I will have learned the lesson well and taken it to heart. I think if I were to learn this lesson, I think if we were to learn this lesson our lives would be radically different, radically better. The Pharisee took up his position and spoke this prayer to himself. Even his prayer, even my prayer, even our prayer, we can feel like it's a one-man sport, like we're all alone. And so we just have to kind of check the boxes in order for us to feel like we have a relationship with God or that we're being good Christians, good Catholics. The lesson that he's trying to teach me and I think all of us is this. He's alive. Jesus Christ, our God, is alive. He didn't just live 2,000 years ago. He lives today and not just in an abstract general sense, very personally and concretely, He lives within us. He is always with us. In a very special way, He's with us in the Eucharist, which is why when we come into a Catholic church, we look at the tabernacle, wherever it might be, and we genuflect to say, there is God before me. Maybe you could relate to my experience, but so often I live as if I'm alone. Or, I act as though I'm alone, and I have to do everything by myself. I have to figure it out. I have to fix the problem. Not only mine, but those that come to me. It's my job. This is a crushing burden that the Lord never asked us to carry. 
He didn't say, figure everything else out yourself. Do it all yourself. And then when you really, really need help, then I might pitch in. He's with us all the time. All the time. Do we realize this? Do we live as, this, as if this is the case? Or when we go to prayer, or when we think about God, we think about someone out there, and so I just need to check the right boxes in order to satisfy Him, so that at some point, I can go to heaven because I'm basically a good person. This is the watered-down Christianity that we drink of so often. I want to say something that might seem a little bit radical, but it's true. Heaven isn't so much a place, and it's not so much a reality that is only going to happen at a later point. Heaven is a person, and His name is Jesus Christ, and He is already with us. We have already begun to live within heaven because Jesus is here. He's, his living presence is in our hearts. Jesus said, It is better that I should go away, for if I do not, I cannot send an advocate. But when I do send him, the Father and I will make our home within you. Do we live, do we act as though God is always with us? I know I don't. When I was in seminary, the priest that was most a father to me and that I most looked up to in my own priesthood, he had this beef, I guess you could call it, with those bracelets that were especially common in the 90s, the WWJD bracelets, right? And they're good intentions here, good intentions, and absolutely we should reflect, is this action that I'm about to do in conformity with God's will. Absolutely. The problem with that phrase is that underneath of it can come an insinuation that Jesus isn't already currently here doing something. What would Jesus do if he happened to be here is a totally different mentality than Jesus, you're here with me. What are you doing? What are you inviting me into? Last weekend, as I was preaching to my congregation at St. Joe, I invited them to lean into the discomfort of asking Jesus a question and leaving space in silence to hear a response. I asked them to say to Jesus, and we repeated it all together, Jesus, show me what you think of me. Jesus, show me what you think of me. How many times do we address Jesus in the second person? as though He is here with us and He wants to hear from us. And even more challenging still, how often do we actually leave space to hear a response? Of course, very few of us will hear a voice from the clouds in response, but Jesus is always speaking. He's always speaking. This has been my ongoing prayer. Every single morning, Jesus, help me to hear You more clearly because I know You are speaking. I know you are, and I know you have something to say about my life, and you have a will for my life, not only in the big things, but even in the smallest details of my life, you have something to say about that. How often do I ask you about it? How often do I listen to you, Jesus? Even if we weren't to hear a clear answer, and again, answers can come in all forms, maybe it's an image that comes to our mind. 
Maybe it's a memory that he brings to the surface. Some of my most powerful prayer experiences have been him bringing up these memories where I experienced his love for me, but I didn't even realize it. Maybe it will be a feeling that we physically, literally feel in our body that he is with us. But regardless, I think the Lord is always pleased when we ask him questions as though he actually exists and he is alive with us. I think he's pleased with that. And even if we shouldn't hear his answer, I think he's pleased when we give him an opportunity to speak to us. You'll notice as I celebrate Mass, it's punctuated by pauses of silence. Because how easy it is for us to come to Mass and just make it another checkbox in my week. I did that, now on to the next thing, now on to the next thing, now on to the next thing. Where is the space to hear? Where is the space to listen? Where is the space to receive Jesus' love? It's the evil one who whispers, do more, do more, you're not busy enough. Get to work, you have to figure it out. You're by yourself, you have to take care of all this by yourself. You know no one cares about you, no one can come through for you. God's not here, he's just a nice idea. Lies, lies, lies. That's all we hear in our ears, but we buy into it. We buy into it with our busyness and not leaving any space to be in relationship with Jesus. And I often say to my congregation, I'm sure they're sick of it by now, our screens, they're in the way. Our screens are in the way of relationship with God and with each other. Heaven forbid that our children and our grandchildren, they look back and this is the image that they have of us. Sad but true. Sad but true. Heaven forbid that they don't see our eye contact as the image of their childhood, as the image of our quality time with them. These screens are trying to take us away from attentiveness to what Jesus is currently doing. And the first and foremost thing that He is doing is He is loving us. He is loving you. He is loving me. But I'm so slow to give him an opportunity to love me because I think I have to earn it. And I have to act as though he's not alive and he doesn't provide for me. Lies of the enemy. So as we get to witness Jesus actually make himself literally present on this altar, I just want to pray for us that we can give Jesus permission and space to love us. That's all he wants to do. And when we believe, not just with our minds, because we all know God loves us, but once we come to experience that Jesus actually loves me, it changes everything. It changes everything. Jesus, you are here. Jesus, we repent of all of the ways we have acted as though you don't exist, acted as if you are not with us, acted as if you are not constantly lavishing us with your love and speaking truth into our lives so filled with lies and distractions. Jesus, the evil one is always trying to discourage us and to make us believe we have to depend on ourselves alone. Jesus, break through these lies right now. Cut through them and cut through our hearts right now, Jesus, and let us know that you are here. Jesus, I ask you to pour out a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit on us. Anoint us from the tops of our heads to the bottoms of our feet. Wash through us. Cleanse us of this apathy. Cleanse us of this self-reliance. Cleanse us of our lack of faith. 
Jesus, help us to live as if you are real and you are all-powerful and you hold all things in your hands, even and especially when we experience this valley of tears and so much hardship, so much darkness, so much evil around us. Jesus, let your heart pierce through our hearts today. Pierce us as we receive you, body, blood, soul, and divinity in this Eucharist. Help us to not take you for granted, to not make this another checked box, but to really live in relationship with you and to leave space with you here in Mass and as we go forth into this week. Jesus, we do believe. Jesus, help our unbelief. Amen.